0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn.
1: Good day, everyone. I have long been a fierce advocate of a strong CIO governance model, whether it was in my role as a former CIO in two states and also, my discussions when I was president of NASIO with CIOs across the country, and also in my federal government involvement on GAO's Executive Council on Information Management and Technology. That governance model, put very simply, is this. Government CIOs, at all levels, can't do their job, repeat, can't do their job with policy-only authority. They must have both policy and operational authority to be successful, and far too often, That's not the case. However, today we're going to hear from a CIO from a state that has adopted that model, that strong CIO governance model in spades and then some. Our guest today is Bob Sampson, Chief Information Officer for the state of New York. Prior to his appointment by Governor Cuomo in 2017, Bob had a 36 year career with IBM, a very rewarding career, I might add, until he retired in 2009. So, welcome to Ask the CIO State and Local Edition, Bob. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, John. And you, of course, are a bit of a rock star in CIO circles. And uh, so I just want to thank you for your service in that role because you made an incredible difference and you uh, really became the model for many of us. So well, thank you. Your thank words you for, are, that, your, for words, your service.
1: Your words are as welcome as they are rare, Bob. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Boy, well,
2: it's good to be here and, with you.
1: And it's been a few years. I was just trying to figure out. It must be back when I was CIO in California that we had a chance to... Uh, Exactly check like this. Well, we i tell you this. I know I didn't do your experience and background justice. So please tell us a little bit more about your career prior to uh, your appointment by Governor Cuomo.
2: Well, I spent a lot of time in IBM's hardware business, in our uh, systems and technology group, uh, and then I did uh, a good car. Most of my career was actually uh, spent working with governments, education, healthcare, and life sciences industries around the world. So it was a great ride. Uh, After I retired, I actually uh, began working for Governor Cuomo in 2011 when he formed what was called the SAGE Commission, Spending and Government Efficiency. Um, And it it was for the first time in a long time since really, since about 1933, that New York State had taken a hard look at how it was organized and where it spent its money, and kudos to Governor Cuomo for putting it together and having the wisdom in and, and, and addressing what I think uh, was a very important uh, task.
1: I believe you're correct in that. In fact, uh, how did you go—tell me this. How did you actually end up as a CIO for the Empire State? It must have been as a result of the involvement with the— uh, the SAGE Group.
2: It was. And if you go back uh, in the SAGE Commission, we made a recommendation to Governor Cuomo, and it was really his idea. uh, And quite honestly, you have to go back to 2012, his bold idea to look at how the state was uh, spending its dollars and its resources on information technology. And he realized at At the level of, uh, as you can imagine, a senior executive would, that technology is horizontal in nature, cuts across all agencies. It is transformational in the power of it. And above above all else, it needed to be secure. So on November 22nd of 2012, uh, we moved 4,000 employees and about a billion dollars of IT spent into one organization. Uh, which we uh, renamed the Office of Information Technology Services. We've gone from 37 CIOs to one, 53 data centers now to one, which we now call our Excelsior Cloud, 27 different email platforms to one. We're among the first state in the nation to name a chief information security officer, a chief technology officer, a chief operations officer, and a chief data officer. So the organization that the governor envisioned in terms of how we could address the technology challenges inside the 46 executive agencies, his vision actually has now arrived. All of this work that I just mentioned is effectively done, and we're moving into a very, very different space that I'd be happy to talk about in just a few minutes.
1: Sure. Let me back up just a little bit because I find the the whole – the the SAGE Commission fascinating. Um, And obviously the circumstances were crying out for reform – and that was the governor's answer. And how was it? How was it comprised? You were a member, correct?
2: I was a member of the Sage Commission. It was actually run uh, by a gentleman by the name of Paul Francis. He ran the Sage Commissioner, uh, Fish commission for the governor. He's had. Uh, a, he's a dedicated public servant, by the way. Although he came from the private sector, he's been the state budget director, so he knew firsthand some of the inner workings of the state. And he provided just tremendous leadership uh, mm-hmm. in the SAGE Commission because it had many moving parts, as you can imagine, as you're trying to look at just about every aspect of state government and where it was spending its money and how it was organized. And he did a fabulous job. We reported out routinely. Those were public forums where that work was done. We had an open meetings uh, a, a philosophy where all the meetings were open to the public. Uh, we, we solicited their input as well. So it was a, it was a well-run uh, piece of work. And at least for the IT world, where I spent um, just about all of my time on the SAGE Commission, it ended up in what I would characterize as the most transformational IT experience in any state. Um, And I think as a result of that, uh, New York State is now leading the nation in many respects in the work that we're doing. And it's a direct result of the governor's idea, his bold idea, to make a change as significant as that, Think of this, 4,000 people and a billion dollars being taken out of agencies and put into a na- new agency that was created.
1: Oh, it's colossal. How did the, uh, how did the SAGE report avoid the usual tra- trap of ending up collecting dust somewhere on a shelf, Bob? Because so often the, the, the implementation is the rub.
2: The implementation is always the rub, but I think in this case, the governor was very, very uh, big part of the process. Uh, the reports were given to him. It was updated frequently with him. Uh, he, he actually provided a lot of healthy input as we went through the process. But then at the end, it's all about execution. Work like sage work that occurs needs to have execution. And you, when you have a governor that is so enthusiastic about making the changes that were recommended, the execution becomes that much easier. So moving 4,000 people and a billion dollars, was it hard work? Absolutely. But I think when you have an executive that's providing such sponsorship and leadership, it makes that journey all the much uh, easier to go execute on.
1: And that must have been exactly what was needed when you consider the fact that I believe half your legislature uh, has been in the other party for decades, and obviously the governor got them, uh, got them in behind this plan.
2: Well, he's a very compelling leader. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, when you think about it, making a change of this significant that touches every executive agency in the state is huge. And uh, he, he just did it in a way that uh, we weren't going to waver on what we're going to go execute on. He was solidly behind it. And I think if you now view it in the context of where we are today – it is a brilliant and was a brilliant decision on his part to go do it.
1: Right. Let's look at the results of the, con- the consolidation a little cl- more closely. Uh, again, governance is such a critical issue for me and for anybody in these kinds of positions. And it's interesting how you put your team together. In fact, I, when I first read about it, uh, it reminded me a little bit of the the, uh, the team of rivals, though that's overstating it somewhat. But to bring in former, uh, you know, uh, I think Brian Digman back into the uh, organization and some other folks
2: along those lines. Yeah, Brian Digman uh, actually was a CIO here for a while. He was a CIO of the New York State Tax Department. By the way, widely regarded as the most uh, effective user of technology in the country – in tax and finance is the state of new york very advanced analytics they're far ahead of the curve of uh, of uh, even in some cases uh, the latest technology in the industry so brian just did a fabulous job there by the way he is now the cio at the state university of new york uh, that was announced uh, about a week ago or a week or so ago so he's now the cio there as uh, and he's going to make a tremendous contribution there as well
1: yeah i actually remember when new, this is going back probably ten years or more, when when uh, Brian was involved with the state putting into one of the first major ERP programs to bring the accounting system into the 21st century, and that was a hell of a lift, I must say that.
2: Well, that in the state financial system, our SFS system is really uh, incredible because it uh, it services all agencies and has uh, certainly saved the state a lot of money. But more importantly, it has uh, it, it certainly improved how we. Sp- Spend our money where we spend it, and how wisely we spend it. I also noticed
1: that you had, I think, you know, I don't know how many there were, various uh, CIOs and various departments and such, and you and you consolidated it into a uh, what you called clusters. Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, you know, when we first started, uh, remember, New York State had thirty-seven CIOs. Mm-hmm. So when we did the first step in the, in, the, in, the, in the transformation was to certainly reduce that down to a more manageable number than 37. So we created nine cluster CIOs. We clustered agencies that had some affinity to each other into a cluster and moved the resources there. Uh, and it worked very well for us. I mean, that was a, that was a good first step. We've now moved to the next step, which is to be more granular in how we align ourselves with agencies. We've created a new role called an executive director who manages a portfolio of projects that are associated with agencies that are affin- have an affinity to one another. And then we've built centers of competence around key areas like GIS, architecture, uh, network. And those are uh, those centers of competence are what the executive directors tap into when they are executing uh, their strategies with each of the agencies.
1: Um, you know, back to the data centers for a second. The data center consolidation, you know, it's really a, a chore. I know... Uh... It's 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 some pretty sad data center managers out there with fifty two data centers in consolidated into what, one or two?
2: Yeah, we actually we had fifty three that we've consolidated into one primary data center and then a backup data center about eighty miles away. Uh and uh so we actually have two, but one is a is a, da- a backup uh, data center. The other one is the primary data center. That now has morphed into what we refer to as the New York State Excelsior Cloud. It is our private cloud to service the agencies of the state of New York. We don't use our private cloud at the exclusion of other cloud technologies. We're very opportunistic on how we use other technologies. We have other cloud providers that we work with. But the the, the primary uh, and critical applications for New York State are run in our Excelsior cloud.
1: I just remember uh, when I was uh, working in consolidations, both in Massachusetts and California, you know, the data center managers are like these tough lions in their own kingdom. And very resistance in most cases to change. It must have been a, an, interesting, uh, a, a, an interesting atmosphere as you convince those data center managers to get on board.
2: Well, you got to remember, uh, leadership starts at the top. Uh, we had a governor that was enthusiastically behind executing on us. That's the first thing. That brings along the commissioners. The commissioners then you bring along uh, the, uh, the, the management team that now worked in a consolidated organization. So it became uh, a true team effort when people saw the vision of where ITS needed to go. That operating 53 data centers wasn't necessarily the most efficient way to be doing things. Trying to protect them became increasingly complicated in a world of, of the cyber threats that we all uh, know and feel today. So I think it was, it was believe it or not, it, it may have been easier than you might have realized only because people bought into the vision of where we were going. And I think that's what carried the day for us.
1: And as you say, when you have an executive champion, whether it's in a consolidation initiative or IT projects in general, if you have that executive champion up there that's uh, behind you, it makes these all a lot more easier, uh, especially when you're dealing like with some of these data centers. I remember when I tried to do it, I, I pulled out every arrow in the quiver to try to get these people on board. And finally, I resorted to just meeting privately with the major data center managers, and, and promised and each of them individually that they'd be the new manager of the consolidated data center.
2: Well, in any reorganization of any entity, the starting point for everybody that's part of that is, what does this mean for me? And you have to be clear that this, first of all, we didn't eliminate jobs, we didn't lay people off, we didn't get rid of people. We organized ourselves differently and more efficiently. And when people begin to buy into that vision and begin seeing a pathway to their role and what it means to them personally, then it moves a lot quicker.
1: My guest today is Bob Sampson, Chief Information Officer for the State of New York. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn.
0: Profile America Thursday, October 25th. A melted candy bar led to the invention of one of today's most used kitchen appliances. Percy Spencer of the Raytheon Company was working on a radar device in the mid 1940s when he noticed that his snack had gotten soft. Intrigued, he experimented with irradiating some kernels of popcorn, which promptly burst. Further work led to the first microwave ovens. On this date in 1955, the first consumer models were introduced, but they required installation and cost almost $1,300, which would be almost $12,200 today. Now most homes nationwide have microwave ovens, and about a half million have only the microwaves for cooking. Manufacturing microwave ovens and other cooking appliances is a $4.9 billion a year business. Profile America is not its 22nd year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau.
1: Welcome back to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Bob Sampson, Chief Information Officer for the state of New York. Bob, before the break, we were discussing the consolidation and also the, the challenges that were out there and when we do it. So, but let's talk, I think you were alluding to it just before the break about it's the culture. How did you change the culture uh, to make sure that you're, and how you work closely with agencies to get their trust in what you're trying to do?
2: So the first thing uh, with regard to that is we in the technology business, get wrapped around the technology. I'm fascinated by this stuff. I love quantum computers. I read about this stuff at night. I go online and I look. I love, I love the technology. And I always use the metaphor of the transistor. Now, not, not a lot of people like to talk about this. I'm probably the only weirdo that does. But in 1947, there was one transistor in the world. It existed in Bell Labs in New Jersey. One. Today, there's three billion transistors for every human being on the planet. Seventy-one years, three billion transistors for every. Now, that's a metaphor for how these transistors, this technology, is instrumenting processes and parts and the physical in our society that were never instrumented before. About 80 miles from here, uh, down near the Hudson, that crosses the Hudson River, is a bridge that New York State just built. It's called the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge. Uh, Its prior bridge was called the Tappan Zee Bridge. That bridge was replaced. It's about a $4 billion construction project. But that bridge is filled with billions of transistors that manage the health and safety of that bridge every second of every I could make a good argument, John, that that bridge is a technology project as much as it is a construction project. But that's the world we're in, this world where we're being instrumented. When they become instrumented, they become interconnected. When they're interconnected, they become intelligent. So capturing the imagination of our team around a fundamental principle of innovation that look past the technology and look at what it does and how it affects people, what is the net result of that technology being applied in innovative ways to change change the trajectory of how work is done? Now, our little tagline is innovation that matters for all New Yorkers. So it's applying this technology in new and different ways that improve the lives for the citizens of New York. And that's, that's really been our unifying sort of idea around creating a culture that's impatient with the status quo. As we've built our organization, we run on three sort of core principles. The first is to be client-centric close to our agency clients. We refer to the 46 agencies that we serve as clients. The second piece is to be skills-based. We invest heavily in our people. We've doubled our skills budget, by the way, year to year. We'll double it again next year. So to invest in our people and the skills and talents that they have. And then the third is to be process-driven so you have a predictable way the work is done across the various skills and capabilities that you have. And when people see that, they begin seeing their role. They begin seeing that you're investing in them, in making their skills relevant, uh, and at the same time, they have a predictable way that work is done and they know their role, and they can actually go home at night and say, here's how I made a difference. And if you're working at the uh, Office of Child and Family Services, as an example, you can see the effect that technology can have on improving the life of children. So it's that end game that often in technology we forget about. We think about, ah, oh, this is really cool
1: stuff. Yeah. This is really cool stuff. Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, what you're, what you're talking about, I think you, you, you really get it here. I mean, it's the getting close to the business owner and understanding their issues, which you know, next to executive champion involvement of the business itself is so critical. And I know you've done that in a number of uh, in a number of ways. One of the articles I, I read about was uh, the work you're doing with the agricultural application. You, you know, just the fact of getting the IT analysts out there in the field, not just trying to do it from the in the four walls of their their building. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, that's exactly right. We actually had our people ride with the, uh, the uh, agricultural um, and, and markets inspectors, learn what they, what they, how they did their work, and then go build a system that uh, made their lives a lot easier. But the, it, it, it's a reflection, quite frankly, of the, where we find ourselves today in this industry. I mentioned the first one of these, my, my little metaphor for the transistor, but that is driving what I characterize Four megatrends and really a fifth key megatrend that touches on this. The first one is we are in the age of ubiquitous computing. We have moved on, in my opinion, Internet of Things to an age of ubiquity. Hence my example of the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge. Uh, there are there are transistors and chips installed in cows to manage the health the, the health and welfare of the milk supply. There are tra- there are sensors and actuators in water supplies and in Snow plows that measure the the temperature of the of the pavement when the plow hits it, so the age of ubiquity is here, and that 's the first mega trend. The second megatrend is the idea that data is the new oil. Our data in New York State is growing between 30 and 40% a year. So analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, doing more predictive analytics and visualization of that data. I have a little tagline that I use, which is data is wisdom yet to be revealed. Then a third megatrend is cloud computing. We have the Excelsior Cloud here in New York. Uh, It's our our private cloud. We use other cloud providers. But more than cloud are the underpinnings of that technology, Kubernetes, uh, containerization, blockchain, microservices, allowing you to develop applications quicker and deploy them quicker and run them in just about any environment that meets your key characteristics. And then my fourth megatrend is all IT is cyber. Gone are the days where, ah, cyber. Oh, yeah, don't forget about the cyber. We've got to remember that. That's important. It's embedded in every single thing that you do in this industry. Now, these megatrends are connected. Ubiquitous computing is creating more data. More data needs to be visualized and wisdom extracted from it. Cloud is another place to accelerate application development and deployment. Everything needs to be secure because it's inherent across that whole spectrum of those megatrends. And then it's driving the fifth megatrend, which is innovation that's accelerating, which is the point that I made before. Well, innovation accelerates. Yeah,
1: That's
0: interesting.
2: Uh,
1: all all those trends and in, in fact I just jumped out of me about the data is wisdom and waiting to be revealed. I remember when I worked with uh, uh, Bill Bill Kilmartin who was the controller in Massachusetts and he used to use the phrase says, the data is locked in jail and it was really true and in many cases it's only now beginning to get revealed with things like initiatives you're talking about. My guest today is Bob Sampson, Chief Information Officer for the State of New York. I'm John Thomas Flynn.
0: You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.